Now, Father, we know that with leadership, there are costs associated with the tasks, with the assignments. Oh, my God, with the mantle, hey, with the graces that are, that are upon our lives. But we thank you, Lord God, that you've never assigned us to do anything you haven't anointed us to do. Oh, God, so we thank you for the anointing of your spirit. Mm. We thank you that because it's your spirit, it's not us. And because we have lowered ourselves, we are risen with Christ. Ah, the Holy One rises in us to the occasion of meeting the needs. We thank you today, Lord God, for grace for a new place. Now, Father, we ask that you'll work through our time of instruction and impartation and increase our knowledge and understanding of how to lead effectively in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord thanks and praise this morning. Amen. So good to see you all. Amen. I thank God for you and for your faithfulness to God in this vision. Amen. We honor the Lord. Thank God for, amen, Prophet Jason, our uh, director, and the training and development with LITs. It's just good to be in a place where, you know, I was talking with one of our, our new members yesterday <laughs> and was explaining to him all that's available developmentally in the house. I said, and I told him, if you don't grow here, it's your fault. Because the table is spread and there are so many veins of instruction and development. And we made it so plain, the, the route to getting wherever you said God called you. We made it so plain, you just got to rebel to not get there. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and we thank God for uh, this opportunity to continue to strengthen and to enrich our leadership team. Somebody shout, there's a cost to effective leadership. Amen. Somebody look at somebody and tell them there's a cost to effective leadership. Amen. And one of the things that I have found is that never at any point will we stop having to pay that cost. Amen. To be what God has called us to be to his people. Uh, Luke chapter four. Amen. I love October because every October we land in the New Testament. <laughs> in our chronological study. And I just, I, amen, I appreciate the Old Testament, but I love the New Testament. And I thank God for the realities that are found in Christ. And so uh, it's amazing that our lesson starts in uh, Luke 4, amen. And uh, today's lesson was also in the New Testament as well in our chronological. Uh, it says in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, and Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. Amen. Now, we've maintained throughout all of our leadership discussions that leadership is always about taking the people from something to something. Amen. Look, somebody tell them, we are here to help a people transition from something to something. Now I think of the long line that stretched out the deliverance door. Right, Bo? That long line that stretched out the deliverance team door. Right? Everybody's trying to get somewhere. Amen? And thank God for that. You know, one of the things I love about um, this church experience and 
things like the deliverance ministry, inner healing, and anger resolution, right? Yeah, I love the fact that we have managed, by the grace of God, successfully to take the stigma out of things people really don't want to talk about in church. Oh, hello, somebody. You know, where I came from, they said, you need deliverance. That was a cuss word. You were being cussed out. Now we're like, I need to sign up for deliverance because I'm going to another level. Oh, come on, somebody. I feel like God's calling me into a new place, and I just want to make sure I ain't got no, no stowaways. <laughs> Amen? But do y'all see the beauty in being able to take the stigma out of something like that? Where people come up and, and, and uh, celebrate, I ain't mad no more. <laughs> I love it, man. And so the reason I'm saying that is because that's what leadership is all about. Whenever God wants to transition of people from something to something, look at somebody tell me he sends leadership. Oh my God. Whenever God, uh, by virtue of the, the people crying out to God, remember Exodus chapter 3, the people were in a less than desirable state. They were in places and situations they didn't want to be in. They just didn't know how to get out of. But God's answer to people in crisis is leadership. Y'all did not hear what I just said. God's answer to people in crisis is leadership. God's answer to people that are in a less than desirable state is leadership. God's answer to taking people from their problem to their potential is leadership. Tell somebody, that's how critical you are to what God is doing. Come on, tell somebody, that's how critical you are to what God, without you, God cannot get his people where he wants to take them. Y'all did not hear what I just said. God, God needs you to be in position. Come on, God needs you to be in the right posture, the right mindset. Why? Because anybody notice that the needs are not getting fewer? Oh, come on, somebody. People are realizing today they need God. And most of them don't know how to find God until they find you walking with God. Y'all did not hear what I just said. Look, somebody told me they found me walking with God. And when, you, when they find you walking with God, they find a way to God. Somebody shout, people in crisis need leadership, and I'm in leadership. That's how critical it is. Now, I want you to think about this, right? Uh, how important is it is for a hospital to be open? For surgeons to be available? Come on, somebody. For the, the place, the joint got to be fully supplied. Somebody shout, all the time. Y'all got that? And when you pull up into the emergency room, right, you expect to find somebody there waiting on an emergency. Oh my God. That's why when you, when you understand leadership, you never make statements like this. You don't call me unless you need me. Seems like don't nobody call me until they need me. Tell somebody, you don't understand who you are to the kingdom. Tell somebody, you don't understand who you are. If you make statements like that, you don't understand who you look at somebody tell them, you are the ER. Come on, tell somebody, you, you are the ER. I don't need the emergency room every day, but when I need it, I need it. Hello, somebody, tell somebody, that's your role. Your assignment is people in crisis. Y'all did not hear what I just told you. Your assignment is people in desperate situations. 
People that need to go through some kind of process to get from something to something. Somebody shout, that's my assignment. Now look at two people and tell them, I don't need to be needed, but I am available if God needs to use me. Hello, somebody. So if you whine about people only calling you when they need you, it's because you don't understand who you are in the kingdom of God. Now watch this now. And if the ER manager is walking around and there's not much activity going on, you know what they're glad about? There's not much activity going on. Isn't that right? Like, oh, thank God, nothing crazy has happened today. Ain't nobody been shot. Right? Y'all got that? But God's answer to people in distress, oh God, is leadership. Now, if you're God's answer to people in distress, people should not find you. <laughs> you know, for example, right, if you call the ambulance, right, you look at, you got a hole in your body, you, ah! you call the ambulance and they show up and go, ah! right, this is not, not very confident right now. There ought to be something different about your mentality to crisis. Y'all did not hear what I just said. Last thing we need is, is leaders freaking out over simple stuff. Hello, somebody. Tell somebody, you ought to be the last one freaking out in crisis. Why? Because people come to you in crisis. You ought to be the last one freaking out in crisis. They ought to see how to navigate crisis watching your life. Isn't that right? You ought to be a source of calm for people that are in crisis. Calm, calm down, right? Right. You ought to start, hello somebody, checking the blood pressure. And now notice also, leaders don't respond to how they feel in crisis. They respond to how they were trained. Y'all not hear what I just said. Look somebody tell me my training kicks in, in crisis. Isn't that what you want? If you have an emergency, you want somebody who's skilled. Amen? I don't need you to be empathetic. I need you to be skilled. I don't want to feel bad being broken. I, I need you to know how to get me fixed. Amen? I can understand how you feel. Listen, I'm bleeding. I need you to know how to resolve this. Hello, somebody. There's a time for empathy, but a crisis is not it. We need solutions. And we need people that are in a mold where they realize that God put me right here at this time for such a time as this. Y'all got that? Say it with me again. People in crisis need leadership. That's always God's answer to people in crisis, people in transition, people in trauma, people with issues. God always sends them leadership. Does it make sense? Now, so that means that there are costs to being an effective leader. And the first one, we understand, we see in the text that we read in Luke chapter 4, is that we see that Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost, right? And as soon as you get full of the Holy Ghost, tell me, here come the devil. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, you know when you are in the place that's most optimum for you doing ministry and for living life, right? You know when everything's driving and hitting on all cylinders and you're as spiritual as you should be, right? Come on somebody, you praying like you should, fasting like you should, 
you got your heart all right and all this other kind of stuff right, you know when you're there. Nobody else knows when you're there, but you know when you're there, right? Now, tell the truth, shame the devil. Whenever you're in that place, that's when the craziness happens. Every time I get good and full of the Holy Ghost, <laughs> here come the devil with some stuff. So now watch this now. So number one, cost of leadership, right? Spiritual assaults. Spiritual assaults. An effective leader is the devil's personal project. <laughs> oh my God. You cannot get good at leadership without catching higher ranking devil's attentions in the realm of the spirit. Y'all hear what I'm telling you? And it be, things begin to intensify. Does that make sense? This is why a lot of leaders retreat from their best posture because their best posture brings about their worst experiences. Oh God, who am I talking to in this place? Y'all got that? You are targeted, watch this, you are targeted according to your capacity to create change in the lives of others. Oh God. I'm gonna say that again. So you think it not strange concerning the fiery trials. You are targeted according to your, here's the word, capacity to create change in the lives of others. Y'all got that? So when you look at how God is using you, when you look at the way people, amen, all them testimonies about how you change in lives and God, ooh, girl, God use you, that's gonna cost you. <laughs> oh, what a blessing you are to my life. Tell somebody, that's gonna cost you. Because your capacity to create change in the lives of others also catches attention in the realm of the spirit. Y'all got that? Tell somebody, get your soul ready for that. Why? Because it comes with the territory. Does that make sense? Now, now, if it's any consolation to you, right, the enemy is only going to come at an area of weakness in your life. Oh, God. Now, let me give you the cheat code. Whatever the enemy targets when you're at your best is what you should train when you're at your best. The enemy is showing you by what he targets where you need to concentrate your developmental effort. Y'all got that? Does that make sense? Tell me, that's what all your books should be about this season. Oh my God. Whatever he targets, tell somebody, make notes. Now, make notes and find resources. Y'all remember what I said. Because he's telling you the only cards he's got to play. Who am I talking to in this place? If you pay attention, the devil is showing you the only, y'all did not hear what I said. If you pay attention, he's showing you the only cards he has to play. Look at somebody tell him the devil really doesn't have much to work with in your life. Oh, tell your neighbor that he really doesn't have much to work with in your life. But what he does have to work with, he'll keep working it. He'll just keep repackaging and working the same thing. Isn't that right? So you got to build yourself, the Bible said, build yourself up in your most holy faith. Develop yourself in the thing that he targets. So, all right, I see you now. I, oh, I see you now. Oh, okay, it's that, huh? Okay, then we finna, we finna do something, we finna do something you never could have anticipated. We finna get rid of all ignorance in this area. Y'all know what I said? Why? Because my people are destroyed for what? 
So the devil is maximizing his efforts in the area where you are ignorant. But the moment you become wise in that area, tell somebody he finds no room in you. Who am I talking to? Look at somebody tell him he got no room to work. Tell somebody he got no place to operate. As long as he knows that fear grips your life, he'll keep working fear. So he make you fearful about your financial situation. Fearful about somebody walking away from you. Fearful about what your kids are going to become. Fearful about the economy. Now all of a sudden you're scared about floods. You live on the mountain and you're scared about floods. <laughs> if fear is what it is, fear is what he'll work. Who am I talking to in this place? You know, I had somebody tell me this week, they said, you know, I'm working on fear. You know, my question is, how? <laughs> See, <laughs> I don't take, when people, I, I'm, work, I'm working on me, and I always have to, because see, these little colloquialism, just because you say that don't mean you're working on me. Whenever somebody tells me, I, I'm working on myself, I'm like, where are your tools? Hello, what, oh God. What, actionable, what is the work? Where are your tools? Y'all got that? Now to say, I'm working on me, but you ain't got no tool, you stalling. You either lying or stalling. Now, I don't want to call you a liar, so I'm going to say you're stalling. <laughs> say, what is the work? Where are the tools? So if you notice that you're, you're easily offended, right? I'm working on me. Okay, what is the work? I'm offense prone. Where are your tools? What are the training manuals you got in this area? Are you realizing why you're so, offend or so easily offended? See that? All right. It's got to be something, and quite frankly, 0 to 12. Something happened to you between 0 and 12 got you in this mode of automatically being offended when you, when you experience something that you don't like. 0 to 12. It didn't happen when you got old and grown. It happened when you were young and, and formable, moldable. That's when it happened, and you got to deal with it as such. Does that make sense? So when people say, I'm, I'm, I'm working on me, right? What is the work and where are the tools? Because if you don't have an identified the work and you haven't identified and brought in the tools and resources, you ain't really working on you. Right or right? Like people say, I'm trying to lose weight. Doing exactly the same thing? <laughs> you imagining that you can lose weight doing, this, doing the same thing? <laughs> you got a very active imagination. What you're doing is just enough to keep what you got. <laughs> somebody, somebody shout, what is the work? Where are the tools? Does that make sense? All right. Sometimes your tools are human resources. For example, if you say, you know what? I notice I just need to be a nicer person, right? Tell them I get you some nice friends and hang around them as much as possible. Some things are taught, other things are caught. And you got to know when the lesson is going to be taught or caught. And you can't become like people just being around them. Look at their last season of Friends. Come on, somebody. Some things are caught, other things are taught. Make sense? All right, so if you're going to be an effective leader, part of the cost is that there are going to be Increasing spiritual assaults. Somebody shout it, come with the territory. Now the difference between Jesus and many of us 
is Jesus was ready for every level of attack that came against him. Oh my God. Somebody shout, he walked in the spirit. Now, so Jesus was ready for every level of spiritual assault that came against him. Now, why? Because he walked in the spirit. He understood how to leverage himself up in the spirit. That's a very good reason he fasted for 40 days because he understood what it meant to leverage himself up in the spirit. Y'all got that? It, it, he had to get all, for some of the stuff that you're gonna deal with, you gotta get all the way out of yourself. Tell somebody you're gonna have to miss some meals. You never know what's going on in you until you miss some meals. Anybody realize how angry you are once you miss a few meals? Like, oh, wake it up, man. Now, let me learn you something. Tell somebody that angle was already there. Hiding beneath them sandwiches. <laughs> Fasting don't make you mad. It exposes your anger. Come on, somebody. Normally, when you start really fasting, right? Oh my God, whatever you're really dealing with, it pops up. It exposes everything. So that you're able to overcome and really walk in the spirit. Y'all got that? So Jesus was a prayer. Number two, Luke chapter 7, 33 to 34. What is the cost of leading effectively? Luke 7, 33. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. Y'all still said he had the devil. Jesus came eating and drinking. Y'all say he's a gluttonous man and a wine bibber and a friend of publicans and sinners. This is another cost of effective leadership, being constantly misunderstood. <laughs> being constantly misunderstood. Tell somebody, get your soul ready for that. Now why? Because people prefer gossip about you rather than getting to know you. Some people say you're John the Baptist, others say you're Elias, right? What do you say? Right, you've been around me, what do you say? Thou art the cry. oh okay, you know me because you've been around me. Y'all got that? So because people prefer gossip about you, listen, getting to know people take work. And people like shortcuts. That's why they go toward gossip. Oh, that's how she is? You know, it's like I, I meet people, I talk with people, and they like, you are not what they said. And you know what I never ask? What they said. I don't care. Listen, somebody tell me I knew it came with the territory. Y'all got that? And you got to get your soul ready for whatever summaries there are out there about you. Whatever narrative. Come on, ask your, ask your neighbor, is your soul ready for your assignment? You know, sadly, some of you are in the assignment and just now realizing your soul wasn't ready for the assignment. How do you know that? Because you're chasing after everything they said. That's how I know your soul ain't ready for what you're doing. You bend into every narrative they come up with about you. And here's what I want you to understand. If they didn't get John the Baptist and Jesus the Christ right, who are you? John the Baptist, John the Baptist intentionally didn't drink no wine. He abstained from everything and was holy. Y'all got that? He's like, he got a devil. I don't make you holy. 
It don't even make sense the stuff people say about you when you're effective. When you really get effective, people start making up stuff. Who am I talking to? Get, tell them I get your soul ready for that. Girl, you was there. Did you hear? Child, please, quit all that. Tell somebody, quit all that. 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 That stuff is designed to cause you to redirect your focus to something dumb. And when your focus is on dumb stuff, it's not available for divine stuff. Y'all got that? Who said that? Well, who was there? Well, what? Did you hear? People would prefer gossip about you rather than getting to know you. Look, somebody tell them, getting to know me take work. And people like shortcuts. And that's why they go toward gossip, and that's why they love doom scrolling. People can't wait to find something negative about you. Like, ah! I knew she wasn't perfect. Every kingdom transition seems weird before it fully unfolds. This is another reason that you will be misunderstood. How many kingdom people in the room? If you're at the cutting edge of anything God is doing, you're going to look very weird. Why are you doing all that? Well, why does it matter to you? It don't take all that. that to be me, it does. Hello, somebody. And sometimes you are criticized as a leader because the thing God told you to do looks extra to mediocre people. Are you doing all that? You ain't got to do all that. You ain't even paid to do all that. I, look at somebody tell them, never listen to criticism. Now here's why. They didn't hear your instructions. They don't know what God told you. They don't know what your sacrifice is adding. Tell them, my sacrifices are setting me up for something supernatural. Come on, tell somebody, my sacrifices are setting me up for something supernatural and dumb folk are trying to talk me out of my devotions. I know what this is adding up to. I saw something. And so I'm aligning with it. And it looks weird, but that's because you didn't hear my instructions. Y'all got that? Does that make sense? Tell somebody, you will constantly be misunderstood. If you're on the right track. Oh, God, y'all ain't saying, tell your new neighbor, say new neighbor. If you're on the right track, you will constantly be misunderstood. Get your soul ready for that. Come on, tell them, get your soul ready for that. Because every kingdom transition seems weird before it fully unfolds. Y'all got that? The person that God uses also seems weird. See that? Trailblazing. Somebody shout trailblazing. Whenever you're doing something that's never been done before, you will be heavily criticized, then secretly copied. Uh, heavily criticized, the next thing you know, the Lord told him to do exactly what you've been doing. <laughs> Look, somebody tell me, come with the territory. Now, I don't care about it. Why? Say, I'm here to change the paradise. But y'all are not here without just There's stuff God is doing in you that's supposed to change everybody around you. They, they just don't know it yet. You're here to shift the paradigm. So you got to get your soul ready for whatever comes along with leading. Somebody shout, I am leading change. Now, the difficulty of leading change is there's a whole lot of folk that don't want to change. 
Matter of fact, the people that don't want to change outnumber those who are ready to change. And many times you got to show people that it's safe to change in order for them to embrace the change. And that's why leaders have to model the change. Look at somebody tell them, come over here, it's safe out here. So you got to walk on water, show people it's safe out there. Y'all got that? That's what leading change looks like. Amen? Number three, the cost of leadership. 1 Corinthians 4, 15 and 16. Paul said, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. For in Christ I have begotten you through the gospel. Verse 16, wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Look somebody tell them, do exactly what I do. Action neighbor, can, can you say to people, do exactly what I do? Oh my God. Paul said, whatever you heard in me, whatever you've seen in me, put that into practice. Can you say that? Now, listen, the goal should be that we're living at such a level and such a consistency that we can tell people, listen, I, I know the way. Follow me. Y'all got that? Now let me get let me let you in. Let me let me learn yourself. They're already doing that. There are people around you right now following your leadership when it's completely unaware, you're completely unaware of it. Y'all, you, you never said follow me. They just thought, you're in leadership, I'm following you. Now the question is, where are you taking them? Amen? If people follow you, where y'all going? If people follow you, where y'all going? Now, let me ask you something. Where are you going? Because if you don't know where you're going, and they following you, then that's called the blind. <laughs> what are God's demands upon your life in this hour? Hiya. You may be stepping into new territory, new dimensions, so it may be a good thing to follow you. But you got to know that God has placed demands upon your life and you're calling this hour that's different than the last season of your life. Y'all got that? So the demand, somebody shout, there is a demand to be an example. That's the cost of leadership. And that means that there's a need for you taking your role seriously. Tell somebody, take your role seriously, but don't take yourself seriously. Now, what do you mean by that? Some, oh my God. L listen, what God called you to do, be serious about it. But when it comes to your, your humanness, right? Laugh at yourself, have fun, enjoy yourself, right? Enjoy where you are on the way to where you're going. Amen? Intentionally make decisions that impact other people. Hello? Intentionally make decisions that impact other people. Cause you're doing it unintentionally. You gotta be intentional about the impact that you're making in the lives of other people. That's part of this demand of being the example. Accept the consequences of leadership. Somebody shout, there are consequences to leadership. So you gotta be willing to accept those consequences. I'm gonna give you one of them. There's a different standard for you than other people around you. Hello. Oh, there's so many double standards. Leaders don't whine about double standards because they realize that I'm gonna be the standard. Hello, say it with me, I don't care what they do. I care what I do. Say it again, I don't care what they do. 
I care what I do. Why can you be like that? Because people don't be right. Well, they ain't gonna never get right on the old show if you decide to get wrong because they ain't right. Say it with me again. I don't care what they do. I care what I do. Now, but how can you say that, Mark Jones? Because every man should give account of himself to Jesus Christ. So I care what I do because I gotta answer him. Does that make sense? I don't care what they do. I care what I do. You see that? And that's part of the cost of leadership. Uh, here's another thing. View in leadership. You know what the leadership, in leadership, you cannot be concerned about double standards where people got rules for themselves that are different from you. Why? Because I'm just gonna be the standard God wants. Y'all got that? And number two, you gotta get rid of this notion that anything needs to be fair for you to be faithful. <laughs> Somebody shout, fairness is no longer an interest. Faithfulness is. It is required of a steward that one be found faithful. God is not interested in everything being fair for you. Please read your Bible. Please read your Bible. Was God interested in everything being fair for Joseph? Not at all. God is, oh Lord, this right here may get some people to uncheck the leadership box. God is not interested in everything being fair for you. God is interested in you being faithful no matter what's going on around you. Now, what's it mean to be faithful? Shout out some words. What's it mean to be faithful? Committed, consistent, huh? Huh? Determined? Loyal? Unmoved? Selfless? Huh? Reliable? Servant? All right, I heard all them words. But faith coming by what? And hearing by what? And what are we supposed to do with the word of God? Obey. Nobody said obedience. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? What am I supposed to do when I see the word? Obey. Yeah, when I talk about faith, there's nobody said obedience. Who said it? No, you didn't. That's what you get for being so soft spoken. <laughs> so I said, obedience. Don't require feeling nothing. Obedience. Thank you, Rodney. Obedience is better than sacrifice, right? Can you sacrifice anything and not feel anything about it? No, Abraham, take your son. Right? You're going to feel something. Obedience is better. Why? Because if you're just obeying, you don't need to feel nothing. Because you see what your work, what you're doing, means to him. Obedience makes it all about what he wants. Sacrifice makes it about what you're losing. Are y'all getting what I'm telling you? So it really comes down to understanding that it is required of a steward that we be found faithful. Somebody shout faithful. And that's part of the consequence of leadership is that if you're gonna lead effectively, you're gonna to have to get this silly notion that things have to be fair for you to be faithful out of your head. Tell somebody, get that out your head. Your behavior has to remain between you and God, period. Posture to make you feel as though you're losing something. Mm -hmm. 
And so if he can focus on that, then he moves you out of the posture of obedience. Absolutely. Y'all got that? All right. So the demand, number three, the demands to be an example. So the, the last thing I want to say about that is that a part of the price is being consistent enough to emulate. Ask somebody, are you consistent enough to emulate? Oh, God. Are you consistent enough to emulate? Ask somebody, what do you do when you don't get your way? Twenty <laughs> percent of y'all ask somebody. Eighty percent of y'all like. I want you to ask the neighbor. Say, neighbor, what do you do when you don't get your way? <laughs> <laughs> she said, I'm finding another way. I do not accept that I'm not supposed to get my way. God gonna get that Jacob out of you. No, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because I have discovered in my own personal life that God will send you a Laban. Hello, somebody. Look, somebody tell God to send somebody slicker than you. <laughs> Said, are you either going to trust me or you going to hustle? God, now, that's not God's going to get the hustle out of you. God said, you either going to trust me or you going to hustle. But you can't hustle and trust me. God will let you be hustled. You know the worst thing for a hustle? Y'all got that? 2 Timothy 4, 9 and 10. Another cost of effective leadership. 2 Timothy 4, 9. Do thy diligence, Paul says, to come to me shortly. Verse 10. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Number four, abandonment. Somebody shout, abandonment is normal to effective leadership. <laughs> Some of y'all ain't said nothing. Somebody shout, abandonment is normal to effective leadership. Be very leery of people who overcommit and they don't even know you. Like I got somebody right now, right? I ain't gonna, the name will be left out, right? But I got somebody that I have to meet with them and tell them, nope, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that, right? Because I know you working for worth. Mm -mm. Nope, you can't do that, you can't do that. How many things you signed up for? 10, that's too many. I want you to narrow that down to two. Wow, I already know you're working for work. And the moment you don't feel appreciated, you're going to bail and drop off 10 of those things. See how you all feel. Abandonment is normal to effective work. Because a lot of time, a lot of time, effective leaders, because a lot of time, that's exactly what happened with people. Okay? Is they're helping you to mask something else that they can't help. 
Y'all didn't hear what I just said. They're helping you is a mask for their helplessness. So they do a lot because of the one thing they can't do anything about. Please hear what I'm telling you right now. And you think, oh my God, they so loyal. No. <laughs> they are using activity to mask a deliverance need. And at some point, they're going to drop you and all the stuff they're doing for you too. I've seen it all. Demas, Paul said, after all his time, Demas spent with Paul, right? Paul is, by the Holy Ghost, Paul is doing miracles. Come on, somebody. He's watching God work through this man. He's working with this man. Paul is, is all right, I'm going to use Demas, and I'm going to send Demas, and I'm going to anoint him, right? And all this right, and all of a sudden, bam, he gone. Back to the club. <laughs> Tea back Thursday. Manic Monday, Freaky Friday. <laughs> Why? Because the world was in his heart while he was in the ministry. And because he didn't do the work to really get free, and he did everything he can to silence the beast, but you can't silence the beast. You got to kill the beast. Somebody said abandonment is normal to effective works. Does that make sense? And when you are effective, people are attracted to your results. And they attach themselves for your results. And then all of a sudden, because they start dealing with the devils that come with your results. Y'all hear what I just said? So much out there are devils that come with me being like this. There are devils that come with my results. And they can't handle it. And they cave to the beast. Y'all got that? And you calling them and they won't answer their phone. You're like, how you go from calling me every day to dodging me all the time? Tell my the beast. I'm trying to show y'all how this works, because I've been at this a long time. I'm trying to show y'all how this works. Tell my it's the beast. Y'all got that? So Paul said, Demas has forsaken me. Why? The world was still in him while he was in the church. So not everyone called to help you has the world completely out of their hearts. Y'all got that? Worldly responses to your leadership are inevitable. Does that make sense? Like when you try to, when you have people that are love to control, right? And the moment you give them a boundary or, ah, oh, see, I can't work with this. Oh, so you don't want to come to be trusted. You just want to be trusted and we don't know you. What makes you think you deserve that? What makes you the exception to the rule? Why can't you work with people until you the people people have to work with? Why can't you work with people until you the people people have to work with? And say that again. Why can't you work with people until you the people people have to work with? Why can't you connect to the paradigm as it is? Why does it have to change for you to be in it? The world is still in their hearts. So my way or the highway, that ain't how it work in God's kingdom. That ain't how it work in God's kingdom. You understand that? So they'll commit and then bail the moment they can't get what they want. 
what do you do when you can't get what you want? Now, let me share something with you. Whatever you say, you, you answer, everybody answers. Some out loud, some internal. Whatever you do when you can't get what you want is who you really are. That's who you is behind that hallelujah. What do you do when you can't get what you want? Trust. I trust that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. I trust that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I trust that God will never call me to commit to something he will not help me to work through. See, because I trust, I no longer need to control. I can go with the flow. Because I already know where this flow is going to end. It's going to end with me exactly where God said. Somebody shout, I'm head only, not the tail. Somebody shout, I'm above only and not beneath. Somebody shout, I'm first only and not last. That's where this flow ends. Now, when you don't trust that, oh, you control, you manipulate, you withhold goods and services, you do everything you can to make the whole thing oppressed because you can't get your way. All right. So not everyone called to help you has the world completely out of their heart. So what, do I, what must I do? Develop your soul for rejection and abandonment. Tell somebody, get your soul right. Develop your soul for rejection and abandonment. You know, I recently met with a new member who can't wait to help me with a lot of stuff. And so I'm intentionally slowing him down. <laughs> like, oh, I'm here to help you. I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> And so I told him yesterday, I said, quite frankly, I appreciate what you're able to do. Uh, I already knew that, because I picked you up by the spirit, right? I said, but I'm waiting to see how you get along with other people. I'm telling you what the lesson is. I'm waiting to see how you get along with the folk I trust. I'm waiting to see how you get along with the folk I train. I'm waiting to see how you get along with the folk that I don't have to question where they are. Y'all got that? That's what I'm waiting on. Does that make sense? Now, you know what would be easy? Ooh, I need you to do this and do that and do this and do that. That would be the easy thing to do, right? But that's the shortcut. Look somebody tell me, I'd rather take the long route to establishment than the shortcut to demise. I take the long route. I'm building for generations. So I can wait with your gift itself I can wait to see what you really are. That makes sense. Tells my I ain't in no hurry. We building for generations. We building for what's going to be behind us. You know, our kids got to run this when we're gone. Manifestations is forever. Manifestations will exist until Jesus comes back. Tell somebody, tell somebody, you got to build your department like that. Tell somebody, build your department like that. Build your department like that. Don't make that whole thing dependent on you. That makes sense? So that means that we got to take the slow route to discover who people really are. Even when they come in eager to help, like, what you covering up? Because it's something. And like Liam Neeson, we will find it. And we will kill him. Number five, what comes along with effective leadership? 
First Corinthians 9, turn over there real quick. First Corinthians 9, 1. Oh, Lord. Am I not an apostle? Look what Paul having to deal with. Paul, the apostle, who met Jesus on the road to Damascus, did miracle signs and wonders. Look what he deal with with people, right? Tell somebody, supernatural people still have to deal with stupid stuff with people. <laughs> you think, man, if people see how Jesus is using you, they leave you alone. They don't. <laughs> they act worse. Jesus ain't really in there. They start poking to see if Jesus is really in there. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I'm not an apostle to others, doubtless I am to you, for the seal of my apostleship is you in the Lord. You know why Paul is going off? Paul is like, why am I having to explain myself and my motives and my attention to you when you wouldn't even know Jesus without my assignment? Isn't this crazy? Isn't this crazy? If I be not an apostle to others, certainly I am to you. Verse three, my, eyes to them, my answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as the other apostles, as well as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? Now here's the point. This is what comes along with effective leadership. Write this down, excessive scrutiny. Oh my God. Excessive scrutiny. Y'all got that? When you come into leadership, you come into the fishbowl. People think they have a right to make commentary about every aspect of your life. Oh my God. Y'all got that? People think they have a right to make commentary about every aspect of your life. You come into increased scrutiny. That comes along with leadership. Now I had somebody who ran away from here. Well, I, I shouldn't say they ran away. We told them not to come back. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's how it really happened. But anyway, this particular person asked me, they said, when can I be a part of your leadership? I said, is your soul ready for extra scrutiny? Never mind. Because you're gonna be scrutinized on a whole nother level coming into leadership. Y'all got that? You under the microscope. You in the fishbowl. Mm. Tell somebody, you in the fishbowl. And then you can't go, don't watch me, keep your eyes on Jesus. Tell somebody, that don't work. <laughs> Because of my dad don't work in the fishbowl. <laughs> now, the question is, can you get comfortable living in the fishbowl? Y'all got that? You think anybody ever had goldfish or fish in a fishbowl, right? You sitting there just watching. So everybody can <laughs> What he doing? What is she at? What he doing? What she at? Who is that? Who is that, right? And that's what it's like being in, oh my God. That's what it's like being in leadership. People think they know you from Facebook. I heard about your, great, okay, all right. Right? But somebody shot, I live in the fishbowl. Ask somebody, can you get comfortable living in the fishbowl? All right, glad you asked. How do I get comfortable living in the fishbowl? I'm gonna be me, you gotta decide if this is what you want. Tell somebody, what you see is what you get. So I'm gonna be me. You gonna have to decide if this is what you want. Cause ain't a chance in hell your opinion gonna change me. At all, at all. As my friend from Cincinnati said, at all. 
Tell somebody, I'm going to be me and you're going to be all right. <laughs> so you got, uh, watch this now. You got to decide if this is what you want. Because I ain't got no time pretending for you. Hell, I, ain't got, I ain't got no time playing like I'm something that I'm not. This, it, this is either what you want or it's not what you want. So if you're going to get comfortable living in a fishbowl, tell somebody, you've got to be comfortable with yourself. Y'all got that? So that's one of the ways you get comfortable living in the fishbowl. Here's the second way you get comfortable living in the fishbowl. Everybody watching you really should be watching themselves. Why would you be moved by being scrutinized by people with problems? Please hear what I'm saying. Everybody watching you got issues. Come on, tell your neighbor. Y'all hear what? Tell your neighbor. Everybody watching you got issues. Everybody making commentary got issues. Everybody making judgments got issues. Why would it bother you that flawed people are highlighting your flaws? Write this down. Flawed people highlight my flaws and not my issues. Y'all got that? What you telling me? I already know what I am. <laughs> and so does Jesus. Guess which one of y'all I care about? Hello, somebody. So the question is, can you get comfortable? Will you be comfortable living in the fishbowl? Now, if you're in leadership, you're in this meeting. If you're in this meeting, you're in the fishbowl. Is your soul ready for folk always watching you, looking for something? Looking for something to say something about something. And when they ain't got something to say something, they say something about nothing. That's what it's like to live in the fishbowl. Now, here's why I love living in the fishbowl. Here's why I love living in the fishbowl, right? Because I realize that it's part of my witness to show you what it's like to really live for them. Oh my God. This is my time. We just slipped the we just slipped the flip the switch. That's why we just it's part of my witness to show you the joy of living for Jesus. I don't mind you watching me because I'm going to live for him no matter what you do. So that's number one. I don't mind being his witness. I don't mind being on display for him. Y'all got that? Here's another reason. I don't mind living in the fish bowl. The fish owner feeds me. Goldfish ain't never had to go out and get a job. You just keep showing up with food. It's all right. It is all right being taken care of by the owner. Isn't that right? And then, if there are any threats in my environment, anybody ever took that little algae thing and put it in there, right? If there are any threats in my environment, the owner is responsible for getting the algae out of my garden. I hear what I said. The, o my, the owner is responsible for making sure I got a clean environment. That's why like, this is pretty nice. Y'all got that? Get comfortable living in the fishbowl. If you're going to be an effective leader, right, you got to get comfortable living in the fishbowl. Now, now, you got to get over feeling judged by people's opinions of how you swim. Who can't swim? You judge is what I do, and you can never do this. Oh, y'all hear what I just said. Tell my people who can't swim always criticize your swimming. That's what comes along with living in the fishbowl. 
<laughs> Tell somebody they can't even live underwater. Hello, somebody. But they judging your skills. Does that make sense? All right. I'm trying to give you the frame of reference and a narrative that will put you in a position where you can just remain in a very uncaring position concerning all these opinions about your life and what you should do and uh, you know what I'm saying? All this other kind of stuff. All right, number next. 2 Peter 1.10. 2 Peter 1.10, you just write it down. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Y'all got that? So here's another demand of effective or cost of effective leadership. Write this down. The need for consistency. Consistently walking out your calling. Somebody shout the need for consistency. Now look at two people and tell them people need you to be consistent. Have you noticed that the people that are really drawn to your leadership are some of the most volatile and unstable people? Have you noticed that yet? So what they need more than anything else out of you, they need you to be consistent more than they need you to be supernatural. Y'all did not hear what I just said. Your consistency does more than your bag of tricks. Y'all hear what I'm telling you? All right? And that's another part of being an effective leader is you got to understand the need for your consistency. Your, write this down, your predictability equates to their security. People start calming down in their soul under consistent leadership. Anybody, any witnesses to that? People that used to be all over the place, moved by everything, scared by everything, disturbed by everything, bothered by everything. When they come under consistent leadership, their whole soul start calming down. All right, there's no fear to be here. There's no fear to be here. Their whole soul start calming down so the real work can be done when they're under consistent leadership. Amen? Anybody notice since you've been here, your soul has come to a peaceful state and you've come to a place where you can really get the work of God done in your in and through your life, right? Consistent leadership. Does that make sense? See how that works? All right. Number next. First Kings chapter 11, one through four. What is the cost of leadership? First Kings 11, one through four. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Oh Lord. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, Hittites. He ate all the mites. Verse two of the nations concerning which the Lord said to the children of Israel, you shall not go in unto them. He said, I will. Yes, I will. Neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn your heart away after their God, but Solomon clave to these in love. Y'all got that? Uh, and he had 700 wives. How? 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 I'm trying to figure out this one. <laughs> Princesses, 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. Oh my God. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord as was the heart of David his father. Now, another cause of effective leadership is that the more effective you become as a leader, you have to exercise greater carefulness in your personal relationships. Hello, somebody. 
You can't just be with anybody doing anything at any time. You gotta be more selective. Look somebody tell me you gotta be more selective. You know what, what? People think it is not disloyal to reallocate my time to improve me. Y'all did not hear what I just said. Some of you right now, your, your sordid sense of loyalty is impairing you. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. You are loyal and there's nothing wrong with loyalty. But at a certain point you realize loyalty to you is not taking me to where I need to go next in God. So I have to reallocate my time to get around people that will help me to become more of what God intended. Me making me better is not an indictment to you. Y'all got that? And if you want me to get better, you should get mad when I reallocate some of my time to things that have nothing to do with you. <laughs> you do want me to get better, right? So you have to be more accountable about who your friends are, who you have relationship with, who you spend your time with. You gotta be more accountable. Why? Because the people that influence you on an up close and personal level are either driving you into the presence of God by their influence or pulling you away from the presence of God by their influence. Y'all got that? Tell me you are not an exception to that rule. Tell your neighbor you are not an exception to that rule. And the only thing worse than having the wrong people in your life is you have no people in your life. If you have no one in your life whose assignment is to make you better, and you know that's the assignment, that's just as bad as having the wrong people in your life. All of us need to improve. Tell somebody, what you know will not improve you. Y'all did not hear what I just said. What you know will not, you can't learn nothing from what you know. Am I right about it? I'm gonna say it again, you can't learn nothing from what you already know. Tell somebody, you're not getting better being by yourself. All right, y'all ain't ready for this one. I just spend time by myself, right? That ain't making you better. That may make you knowledgeable of your gifts. Hello, somebody. But it ain't actually making you better. You get better by, verses, by, by virtue of a stimuli. You gotta have something in your life that's meant to bring you. For example, right? If you are a nurse and you wanna become a doctor, it, spending time in the hospital ain't gonna make you a doctor. <laughs> you gotta go through another level of what? Training and development being administered by someone at that level. Now, your nurse friend is going to be complaining because you ain't got time to be sipping wine with him. But you realize I got to reallocate my time. If I want to get to another level, I got to spend less time with you and more time with a teacher. Isn't that pretty simple? Now, if it's like that in the business world, isn't it like that in the spiritual world? Yes. Certainly it is. Certainly it is. You get better by exposure, better by training and development. You have to level up. Somebody shall level up. You got to reposition yourself. You got to reallocate your time. You got to redecide your friendships. Oh, people hate that. Because people think just because we were in the hood together, I should stay in the hood with you. Just because I can relate to you don't mean I want to be stuck at this level. Come on, somebody. And it takes courage to say, somebody shout, I got to reallocate my time. 
for things that's going to biggest me. <laughs> things that's going to help me expand into this next place that I'm going. And that doesn't mean that I'm disloyal. It means that I'm knowledgeable of my need of growth and development. Now you got to back to criticism. You got to get your soul ready for criticism of the mediocre. Y'all got that? I read a book that says jealousy is the compliment that mediocrity gives to excellence. Some of y'all get that later. Jealousy is the compliment that mediocrity gives to excellence. You cannot become you cannot become excellent as a person without mediocre people becoming jealous of what you're doing. Y'all got that? Tell them I get your soul ready for that. Because that's the cost. You have to constantly go, you know what? And this is how I have to look at it because y'all see my friend base keeps changing, right? And I realize this. I'm not okay where I am. Somebody shout, there's more to me than this. Now here's what I am aware of. What got me here won't get me there. So that means I have to, I have to reallocate my time to be exposed to minds on the scale of my color. To be exposed to minds on the scale of what I've seen in God. That make sense? Every time God wants to increase your capacity, God brings a relationship in your sphere that can increase your capacity. Are y'all here? But, but what happened? If your time is locked down with who you're loyal to, y'all, now hear what I just said. If your time is locked down with who you're loyal to, you're not available for increase. Tell somebody, you got to reallocate some of your time. Because you're not learning anything for what you already know. Doesn't that make sense? All right. That's the cost of cutting edge leadership. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. My little children, of whom I travel in birth again. Somebody shout, here we go again. Here we go again. Paul said, of whom I travel in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Another cost of effective leadership is that you always have someone in your bosom. You always have someone you're birthing into something. You're always in a posture of mentoring someone else. That's another cost of leadership is that you are never out of circulation. Oh, God. If you're going to be effective as a leader, you're going to need less interruptions. Less interruptions. You got what I'm saying? I want to always be being used by God. That's, that is how kingdom decides to use you on a broader scale. If they see that you don't have all these interruptions going on in your commitment to serving the developmental needs of others. Who am I talking to in this place? Y'all got that? Tell somebody you got to stay in the race. That make sense? All missing in action leaders. Come on, somebody. If you're missing in action, you are more likely missing in the developmental process of others. That means that you are, you're a part, but not a partner. Because partnership is about what you constantly bring to the table to develop other people. That make sense? You know, when you have a watch, for example, right? You want every, in order for the watch to keep time, Every gear in the watch has to keep doing its part. Isn't that right? And if I look at it and 
it's 10 18 and the watch said 7 30. y'all got that then that means that could happen from one part not doing its part and all of a sudden it ain't it's no longer keeping time it's no longer current because one part ain't doing its part y'all got that what could you be hindering if you're the one part that won't constantly and consistently do your part? What could you be throwing off? Oh, God. What could you be throwing off if you're not doing your part? It could be one part not doing its part that's throwing off the whole synchronization of this thing. Does that make sense? Somebody shout, I got to consistently do my part. All right. First Peter 5, 2. I'm almost done. Then we'll take some questions. Hopefully you got some questions or comments about the cost of leadership. First uh, Peter 5, 2 and 3 says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Verse 3, Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Y'all got that? Somebody shout, it's not through lordship. It's through example. So, number nine, another cost of leadership is being an uncompromising example. I've got to get all the compromise out of my life because as the scripture says here, I have to exercise oversight. Not by constraint, this speaks of motive. Not by filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. I gotta have a ready mind. I gotta always be in an uncompromised state. Why? Because people are dependent upon God using me for something. Say that with me. People are dependent upon God using me for something. Say that again. People are depending upon God using me for something. Your job is to know what that something is. Your job is to make sure you're capable to keep providing that something. Isn't that right? All right, so you need to know the importance of your example. And here's my last verse, verses. Number 10, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through uh, 22. For though I am free from all men, yet I made myself the servant of all, that I might gain the more. Until the Jew I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jew. To them that are under the law is under the law, that I may gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, uh, being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I may gain them that are without the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might gain the weak. Watch what he said. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Here's the last key and last cost of effective leadership is that you're constantly making yourself a servant to everyone. Constantly making yourself a servant to everyone. That means anybody I meet, say anybody I meet, it's about how I help them. Anybody I meet, and we're talking in the context of the body of Christ and especially what we do here. Whenever I encounter somebody, a new somebody, I should be thinking, you know, for example, I had several exit meetings this week, right? And when I'm listening to people and talking to people in my interest meeting, when I'm listening to them and talking to them in my meeting, you know what I'm looking for? What is my assignment? 
What God sent this person here to get something they could have not gotten anywhere else. What is my assignment? That's what I'm listening for. Because I want to make sure that I'm strategically engaging them. Y'all got that? And I know it's not like, oh my God, is somebody else here to help me do? And I'm not thinking about, oh my God, is somebody to come and help me do? That's not on my mind. How people help me is not on my mind when God sent them to me. I'm listening to God to discern, how have you equipped me to help them? What is my assignment in their lives? Y'all got that? Now, now, why is that important? Because like Paul said here, you got to make yourself a servant of everyone. Now, now write this down. I can't help everyone with everything, but I can help everyone with the one thing I've been designed to help everyone with. Oh my God. I can't help everyone with everything. Look somebody tell me, I'm not everything, but I am something. Y'all got that? So what I can do is make sure that I'm not respecter of persons over who I help. What I can do is make sure that I'm more concerned about discerning how I'm supposed to help you than what you're supposed to do for me. Y'all got that? Say it with me again. I don't care what they do. I care what I do. Now why? Because I have to answer to him for what I do. Does that make sense? You know what? If you listen to what I'm teaching right now, I'm telling you how to make easy. Men ministry is very easy. It really is, man. It, and I know if you spend any time around pastors and others, right, folk can make ministry seem so hard. And people in leadership make ministry. It's, it's so hard. People are so difficult, right? Not when you have right perspective. I love this. And nothing about this that stresses me out. Ministry has never been a burden to me. It's not a stressor. It's a joy. Look at somebody telling them, we're raising God's kids. Come on, somebody. We are a part of the medium through which we're, we are raising God's kids, helping them come to Christ's consciousness, Christ being formed in them. This is about the manifestation of the sons of God. This is about the unveiling of the sons in the image and likeness of Christ. We are lending to the building up of the body of Christ. We're making a bride ready for presentation. We have the most important job on planet Earth, seeking and saving that which is lost and developing and training and raising up that which is found. Listen, I tell you, it doesn't get any better. Now, if you have a problem with ministry, it's your problem. If you have a problem with church people, the problem is you. I'm gonna say that again. If you have a problem with God's people, the real problem is your mindset. Because you don't, or your problem is you don't know how you've been designed to help. Because if you did, then you'd only be worried about how you're supposed to help. And not about what people come with. People, if y'all notice, when you cast a big net, you sometimes get boots in the net. You get bottles in the net. Tell me, you don't know what you're drawing in. <laughs> so you know what you do? Look at somebody tell them, throw away the boot and help the fish. <laughs> trash the trash and help the saints. Y'all got that? Trash the trash and help the saints.